So we have been moving through the Gospel of Luke, uh, looking at the songs that Luke records there uh, connected to the birth of the Messiah. And we've seen a song of redemption, a song of trust, a song of peace, uh, all microcosms of what Jesus came to bring, all expressions of the work that Jesus um, came to accomplish. And if you'll allow me, just uh, let me remind you of kind of where Israel has been over the last several uh, decades, really, in their existence at this point in their history. The last of the writing prophets was Malachi, uh, serving, preaching somewhere around 350 uh, B.C. is uh, where most scholars will put him. And with, with the closing of his expressions and then uh, the, the last words, really, of the Old Testament probably being written somewhere around 300. God has gone silent as far as Israel is concerned. There hasn't been any communication, hasn't been any prophetic word. Um, he moved, uh, obviously, during the, the period of what we recognize today as Hanukkah in 160, uh, with the Maccabean revolt there and rescuing Israel from the Seleucids and all that was going on there. But even there, there wasn't really a prophetic voice that came out. There really wasn't any kind of uh, expressions of uh, a new work among God. It was, it, was a, it was a movement at that moment, but it was really short-lived by all accounts. And so Israel has been waiting and wondering, when is God going to move? When is the Messiah going to come. The last words we had were from Malachi, promising a, a messenger who would come before the Messiah to prepare his way. And as we move into Luke, we see God beginning that movement. We, we've seen with Zechariah in his song of redemption, uh, the expression of the, the hope of that messenger. But also what? We, we see a, a picture of that old barren couple suddenly having a child, just like in the days of the Old Testament that we saw so many times. But still, although there's been the hope of the prophetic voice in the child of Zechariah and Elizabeth, there's still no prophetic voice. Jesus has come. The angels have sung His praises, have communicated to the shepherds. And now, as... Uh, he is eight days old. It's time for him to fulfill, uh, his parents to fulfill the requirement that was required of every Jewish uh, young man uh, to take him to the temple to be circumcised, to be entered into the covenants. And with this act, with this, with this moment, we see the prophetic voice once again appearing in Israel, Mary and Joseph and Jesus encounter two individuals as they come into the temple. One, a prophetess named Anna um, from the tribe of Asher, we're told, uh, very old in years. Um, and uh, she was a widow, it says, for 84 years. And she had, had not left the temple serving God day and night with fasting and prayers. And at the very moment 
she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She acknowledges the presence of the Messiah. But before her is a man named Simeon. And Simeon is the last of the songs of Christmas that we hear. And his song is a song of hope. It's an expression of communicating the truth of what the Messiah would bring. Hope is a certain confidence. It's not just, as we kind of think about it and use it, when, when we talk about hope, we, we often think about it or use it in terms of, well, I kind of hope that happens. You know, it'd be nice if that occurred. That's not biblical hope. That's not what the Bible means by hope. The Bible, when it uses the term hope, it's talking about a certainty. It's talking about a confidence. A confidence that, that's certain enough to shape our thoughts, to motivate our actions, to, to, to change the way we're behaving. It's not just, oh, I'm really going to try hard to, to hope for this and, and maybe it'll come. It's, I know it's going to happen, so I'm moving out and I'm acting according to that confidence that I have. And the hope that Simeon is expressing is the salvation that God would provide to Israel through the Messiah. But there was another hope that he had, another confidence that he had that uh, we read about in the text this morning as we begin in verse 25 of, of Luke chapter 2. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. What, a, what an event that this had to have been for Mary and Joseph. They're walking in. Their firstborn, carrying him into this this custom. No doubt there were others that were there for this very uh, event, for this very activity. It was something that, again, all Jewish families were required to do if you had a son. And as they're maybe waiting in line or coming into the temple area, this this older gentleman walks up to them, takes their baby in his hands. And breaks into song of praise, uttering this great expression, this communication of what God had done in his life, what God had promised him, seeing fulfillment. And Luke intends us, as we read this, to, to understand that Zach, Simeon's hope is our hope, that Simeon's expression here. It is meant for us to find expression and, and for us to find 
communication in how we relate to Jesus coming as well. Hope is such a key element to our life. uh, the, The writers of the New Testament often refer to the resurrection as our blessed hope. It's what drives us. It's what directs us. It's what motivates us. And so let's take a look at Simeon's expression here and Simeon's song here and and see if we can't find some truths about hope that that apply to us today that that should motivate and direct us this morning as well. The first thing I think we see is that hope is grounded in our faithfulness to God's ways. Simeon is introduced to us as, as what? He was righteous and devout. Which means what? It means he was a person who kept God's laws. He was a person who pursued a relationship with God. He was a person who sought to understand God's ways and sought to to understand God's uh, will for his life. The term righteous means simply to to be in right standing, to be in right relationship, to, to be connected to God the right way is what that word means. And that's how he's introduced. Now, why is that important to to this whole issue of hope? Because to have true confidence in the things of God, to have true confidence in the things that God's going to carry out, confidence enough to change your behavior and confidence enough to pursue certain certain actions and certain thoughts and certain attitudes, you have to understand God. You, You have to know Him. You have to have an intimate connection with Him. I have students, you know, come to me quite often and they ask me the question, the question that I think we all ask at one part in our life, how do I know the will of God for my life? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Is he calling me to ministry? Is he calling me to to marry this person? Is he calling me to, you know, to pursue this job? Is he calling me to, to take this class? What is God's will for me? How do I know that? And the first question I ask is, are you spending time in His Word? Are you spending time in His Word? Because if you want to know God's will for your life in terms of the big things, in terms of these major decisions that we're all concerned about, you've got to be consistently following Him in the things He's already revealed to you the things he's already said. When his words say to do something, if if we're ignoring that, if if we're pushing that aside, if we're downplaying that, if we're, we're not making that a part of our existence, how can we possibly expect to understand what he wants us to do in the bigger things? In those big decisions that, that are life-changing, so to speak. You know, as a, as a professor... Generally speaking, at the end of the semester, I generally get uh, a student or two who comes up and says, do you offer extra credit? You know, they're at that point in the, that point in the semester where, you know, the grade's just not quite where they want it to be. You know, for some, they want the A and they're sitting in a B. For some, they're wanting the D and they're sitting with the F. Do you offer extra credit? And the first thing I ask them is, 
What? Have you done the regular credit? Okay. Have you done the things I asked you to do throughout the semester? You know, why, why would I give you extra credit when you haven't even done the regular things I've given you to do? Because quite often that's the case. And they're trying to pull themselves out of the fire there at the last minute by pursuing this extra credit. And that the principle holds true in our life. We go to God, God, show me your will in this decision. And God says, have you done the things I've already told you to do throughout life? Loving your neighbor, loving me, worshiping, Bible study, prayer. Are you doing those disciplines? Do, do you know me because you've walked with me? Because I'm convinced, and I think this is biblical, that as we walk with God in the things He's already revealed to us, we'll develop a confidence about these other decisions we have. We'll develop a confidence about who we should marry or what job we should take or what major we should pursue or, or whatever. Because we'll know Him. And so we'll be able to more clearly see His direction for our life. And so when we start talking about hope, the hope that Simeon had here, how was he able to, to realize this hope? How was he able to experience this moment? How was he able to, to see God at work in this time? Of all the babies that were there to be circumcised that day, how did he know which one it was? How did he know the promise had been fulfilled? And how does he use that promise to, to carry him forward into a future hope of what this baby would accomplish because he was righteous and devout. He was already walking with God. He already understood God. And so when the Spirit spoke, he understood. He knew what was being communicated. Which brings us to the second element here, and that is hope is realized when we listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He speaks to us. He, speak, he clearly spoke to Simeon here in, in both 26 and 27. It talks about how the Spirit was leading him, how the Spirit had revealed to him, how the Spirit had communicated to him. And yes, our, our first, again, our first voice of God that we need to hear is the Word of God that's written in this text. That that needs to be what drives us. Too often we want to replace the Word of God with, quote, the Spirit of God. And, but the Spirit of God in that situation is not really the Spirit of God. It's our own desires. I think I've shared with you before, I've had people in the past at, at churches I served at tell me, you know, we believe it's God's will that, that we live together outside of marriage. <laughs> I don't know which God you're talking to, but it's not the God that's revealed in God's Word. And they say, well, but that's what the Spirit has told us. No, the Spirit hadn't told you that. The Spirit's never going to communicate something contrary to what's in His Word. And so we always start with the Word, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit still, still speaks to us. And I think that the, the three primary ways it speaks to us is, number one, helping us understand 
God's Word, as we're reading it. You know, there have been times where, where I've sat down, and, and I hope this is the case for you as well, where I've sat down and I've, I started reading the Scriptures, and, and something just hit me, some insight, not, not new in the sense of no one had ever seen it before, but something hit me in, in a new way, and something hit me in a in, in a in a way that that can only be, in my estimation, explained as the Spirit bringing illumination to what's in the text. But I think another way that the the Spirit speaks to us is to offer us comfort in the midst of our decisions, and then third, to offer us correction when we need to be redirected. Now, how does that play out in terms of in terms of our hope? Well, again, if, if hope is a is a confidence that drives us to certain action and drives us to certain thoughts and, and motivations and those sorts of things, then there are going to be times, Scripture tells us this, Jesus tells us that, there are going to be times when the directions that God implants in us, the directions, the, the guidance that God gives us, the hope that He puts in us, puts us at odds with the things of this world. Puts us at odds with the realities that we encounter. And, and when that happens, it can become very difficult sometimes to hold on to that hope. You know, we step out in faith, we, we pursue God's plan, we, we, we believe that God's leading us in a certain direction, and then suddenly everything falls apart. Things just don't come together the way we thought they would. I've shared with you before, that was my experience from, from college. You know, I left Arizona, drove 13 hours to Texas, and I know you all would say, yeah, you, you came to the promised land. Um, you know, I remember hearing that in those first days, you know. Welcome to the promised land. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I believe that was where God was leading me. I believe that was what God had had in mind for me. That was God's plan for me. I had prayed about it. I had, I had even fasted some for it in terms of, is this the college you want me to attend? And, and I went and I got there, and those first couple months were horrible. Horrible. And I got on the phone in tears and called my mom and said, Mom, when this semester is over, I'm home. I'm done. I, I must have completely misunderstood what God had in mind for me when I came here. This was a mistake. But the Holy Spirit continued to work to convict and to comfort, doing both of those things as needed, to say, no, this is where you're supposed to be. And he brought people into my life. He brought Christy into my life. And I started to understand my strange roommate a little bit better. And I started to, to make other friends and started to connect with my professors and, and kind of see where they were going and what they were trying to do in classes and so forth. And, and by the end of that semester, I was ready for another semester. And I stayed. And I've lived here, except for a short time of serving in Oklahoma. I've lived here in Texas ever since. Sometimes following God doesn't lead us to comfortable situations. Doesn't lead us to easy circumstances. 
doesn't lead us to those places where we're like, yeah, this is wonderful. Sometimes following God leads us to those hard places, those difficult decisions, those situations that we just don't understand. But when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we'll find that comfort. We'll find that correction. And in finding that comfort and correction, we'll have that hope realized. We'll have that hope confirmed in our life. No doubt Simeon had been in the temple days before, many times before. Is today the day? Is today the day I'm going to finally meet the Messiah, the one that I was promised? Because notice how he starts his song in verse 29. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And the only reason to utter that sentence is, man, it's been a long time. I've been waiting for this. I've been looking for this. I've been hoping for this. I've been desiring this. And it's been a long haul, God. Thank you that it's finally come. That's what that's how that 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 it's just it's just gushing out of him. It, it's there's a relief here. There's a peace here. But he came over and over again. And he came this particular day. Why? Because the Spirit led him there. And he listened. Imagine having had this received this promise, having received this 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 experience from God and, and that particular day, you know what? You know, I really feel like the Spirit's leading me, but you know what? I'm just going to stay home today. What would he have missed? What would he have lost out on? We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because oftentimes the Spirit tells us to do things that Go talk to that person or, or to go uh, engage in, in that conversation or to go to that service or to go to whatever it is. And when we resist, we lose something. We lose something wonderful. Not just in terms of that one moment, but we lose uh, a, a, a restoring of our hope, a, a building of our hope, a, the, the building of our confidence. The third thing we see here is that hope is completed in, in God's timing. As I mentioned before, his words here, especially at the beginning, express a relief, express a, a completion, almost the, the end of a long journey. We're not told exactly how long it has been. We're not told exactly how old he is, although if he's talking about departing in peace, he's probably pretty old. But the one thing we do see is that he understands it's been God's time. And he's okay with that. Now, you're letting me do it. And I'm praising you for that. This is the moment. This is what I've been waiting for. And I'm okay that it took this long. 
because this is worth it. And as we wait on the Lord, as we, we recognize His timing, as we recognize His, His work in our lives, then we begin to experience the joy that we were meant to experience in, in these moments. I can think of many times in my life where something happened and instead of being grateful for that moment, instead of being happy for that experience, I'm like, why did it take so long? I sure could have used this yesterday. Or this would have been nice a, a year ago. Something along those lines. When I should have been recognizing God's timing in that moment. I should have been recognizing that God waited for that moment to bring that into my life for a reason. And I should have been grateful for that. Because who knows what I missed, not just in terms of joy of that moment, but other things that God wanted to show me because I was, well, that should have happened a year ago or a week ago or whatever. Who knows what I missed out on seeing because I was bitter and sarcastic about it not happening in my time. We need to trust God that His timing is perfect. As we read a couple of weeks ago in Galatians, when the time was right, God sent His Son. It was the perfect moment in history for humanity. It was the perfect moment in history for Simeon. And when God moves in our life, we have to trust that it's the perfect moment in history for us. The last thing we see here is that hope is most genuinely expressed in focusing on what God wants to do for all people, for everyone, not just ourselves. Notice how God's goodness to Simeon and his expression of that quickly moves from what God has done for him there in verse 29 and 30 to what God is doing for everyone in verses 31 and 32. All peoples, the Gentiles, to Israel, it's not just about him. And he sees that and he understands that. And we need to see that even in our own lives, even in the things that sometimes are, are very personal, personal and very important to us as individuals, God is not interested in doing things just for us as individuals. He's always interested in doing things to reveal His glory to impact the world around us as He impacts us. It's always about His glory. It's always about His fame. It's always about the transforming work that He can do for all that we come in contact with. That is why God moves. That is how God moves. And so when we experience this, this, this confidence, this certainty that comes out of what He's doing in our life, that should usher into an expression, into a communication of what He wants to do for everyone. And that's grounded in the fact that, that we understand 
what happened for them, what happened for us, the hope that came from this little one came at a great cost to this little one. Our hope came at a great cost to the child Simeon held and the father who sent him to die on our behalf. Because Simeon's not done in his prophecy here. If you go on to verse 33, we read, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through. You think I get that word, that one word right, right? <laughs> of all the words in the sentence that I messed up. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. As he holds the child, as he lives the hope, he also acknowledges the crucifixion and where this is all heading. The death that will pierce the very soul of his mother that will bring about the revelation of the inner workings of men's hearts. And that will bring about the salvation for all people. Jesus came to grant us hope. The biblical hope I've been talking about here, not a hope that perhaps this is going to happen or man, that'd be nice if it all works out, or I sure hope this is how it happens. Not that kind of hope, but the hope that says, I, I know in whom I believe, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him until that day. The hope that perhaps leads us to our own crosses to our own sacrifices. But it does so because we have the confidence that this isn't all there is. And that there's more to this life than just the goodies we collect. There's a relationship with God who created us that we're called to appreciate and to recognize. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the hope, the confidence that we have in you. God, I pray that you would just move in hearts and minds here this morning. Lord, if there's, first of all, if there's anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, who's never come to that point in their life where they've given themselves to you wholeheartedly, completely, that you would draw them, that you would convict them, that you would unsettle them until that decision is a part of their experience and the joy that comes with it is a part of their 
perspective. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning, those who have given their life to you, those who know what it's like to experience that salvation. God, I pray that you would just renew their hope, renew their confidence, restore their joy, build their trust, communicate once again their redemption. And help us, Lord, to be a people who are not just about us in our praise and in our joy, but who are expressing our hope and connection to all peoples. We love you. We praise you. It's in Christ's name I pray.